0: We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Take your Bibles today
1: and turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. This morning I'm starting a new series entitled Family. We'll be talking about this over the rest of the summer, how we are family in the family of God. Kind of reminds me of the guy that went to the doctor. The doctor said, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news which do you want first? And the guy said, well, give me the good news first. He said, well, the good news is you have three days to live. My goodness, if that's the good news, what's the bad news? The bad news is we've been trying to get a hold of you for two days. I got some good news and bad news this morning. The good news is the church is like family. The bad news is the church is like family. We need to understand that. Kind of reminds me of the other fellow that went to the doctor and The doctor said to him, you've got to make some changes in your life or you're not going to live another month. You need to go home and tell your wife to start cooking nutritiously. Start feeding you vegetables and fruits and lots of oatmeal. And then you need to cut back on the hours you're working. Cut back to 10 hours a day from 15. And then when you get home, tell your wife to keep the kids off your back so you can get some rest. If you don't make some changes, you're going to die. the guy looked back at the doctor and he said, well, doc, it would come a lot better to my wife if you would call her and tell her these things. So the doctor agreed to do so. And when the guy pulled into the driveway, his wife ran out of the house, tears running down her cheeks. And she said, oh, I'm so sorry. You only have 30 days to live. You know, families are supposed to support us, to help us, to care for us, but it doesn't always work that way, does it? Sometimes... Our view of family warps, misrepresents, twists our view of God and his relationship and his desire to know us in our lives. Families should always be there to care for each other, to support each other, to love each other. Matter of fact, a great story, I heard it just this morning. Nancy, would you stand up? Nancy and Jody Kugel, after they left here Wednesday night, were rear-ended down on Monroe. And there were four families from our church who stop to help them and check on them. If you were one of those families, would you stand up? We just wanna say thank you because that's what being family is all about, amen. That's wonderful, thank you so very, very much. That's what being family is all about. It's about caring for one another, making sure one another are taken care of. One guy said families are a lot like fudge, mostly sweet but with a few nuts. All of us can relate to that, right? I've been pastoring churches for a long time, and I'm here to tell you that describes the family of God as well. Mostly sweet, but with a few nuts. Amen? You've all heard of the granola bar Christians, right? Fruits and nuts. They're here, they're around. It's a part of what we deal with and a part of who we are. We love them and move on. But when we look at our family unit, sometimes things get out of whack. Sometimes things are inverted, imbalanced. We're not seeing the picture in our natural families that we'd like to see, and that affects our view of God's family as well. There are people in this room this morning who were fatherless. Their father walked out on them, and that affects our view of God as a father. There are people in this room whose fathers abused them, and that affects our view of God as a father. Matter of fact, if you've never seen the movie Shack or read the book, I encourage you to do so. Because it helps you to see that God relates with us right where we're at. There's a lot of people that all kinds of theological problems with that movie. Really, I think it shows God's desire to meet us where we're at, to show us his love, his care, and his compassion. I'd encourage you to go to Redbox, pick up a copy of that, and watch it this afternoon. It's a great movie. So we need to understand that our view of God's family is often based or predicted by our view of our own family. But this is a truth we'll never escape. Every one of us need a place to belong, a place we call home, a family we call ours, a place that fits us like our favorite pair of jeans, a place that's comfortable, a place that allows us to be ourselves, a place that's welcoming us. Matter of fact, in Psalm chapter 68, verses 5 and 6, the word says this, that God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of the widow's. That he sets the solitary in families. If you're new here this morning, you saw the heart gallery out on the main wall in Main Street. And you need to understand that heart gallery is there because those kids need a family. All of those children on that wall out there are up for adoption. They're eligible for adoption. Through the state of Florida and and DHS, and we want them to find a family to call their very own. That's why it's out there, so people can see it, pray for them. It's highlighting that need that God wants to put the lonely in families. You see, you were created not to be alone, you were created to be in a family. You were created not to be an island or to be isolated just to yourself, you are created to be in a family. We're created to experience life together. See, we need to understand, and I spent several weeks talking about this, church is not a place, it's not a building, church is a family. Church is people, church is you and me, as we live out the gospel each and every day. In our society, we have, for the last 40 or 50 years, saw a disintegration of the traditional family unit. So many people haven't had that experience as they grew up as children. And as a result, children and teens are left to fend for themselves. A lot of the problems we have in our culture today are directly due to the disintegration of the family. Fatherless homes. Moms or grandmothers who are trying to raise kids and can't handle it on their own. And by the way, may I say to every single mom in this room, I applaud you. You're doing a phenomenal job. Come on, show them. We love them. We appreciate them. You've got a hard task, but you're stepping up. And God will help you and God will enable you. So thank you. For raising godly children in a difficult spot and a difficult, difficult environment. We appreciate that. Yvonne and I identify with this whole family thing because our family's a thousand miles away in Colorado, Oklahoma, and Texas. We see them two or three times a year. Every time we go back, the grandkids have grown three or four inches. They're doing things we never dreamed. They're learning things that are unbelievable. And, and it's just, it, it saddens our heart to miss that part of our family's life. However, we have found a family right here. So every kid that's across the hall in Kid Power or Kid Zone, those are our grandkids. We love them. We want to dote over them. We want to spoil them to death. That's why there's a train of little people, and most of you don't know this, a train of little people that come to my office after every service, they're looking for Dr. Pepper and Snickers, and I am happy to load them up. Now, their parents may not like me very much when they go home and won't go to sleep and take a nap, but I love seeing their eyes sparkle. Amen. That's good. That's what a grandpa does. You know that, right? You spoil them. That's why when we're out on Main Street, we want to greet you. We want to shake your hand. We want to. Yvonne wants to give you a hug. I'm not much of a hugger, but she is. She wants to let you know she loves you. She cares about you. We're family. We found a family right here. So, since we're family... When you're celebrating, we want to celebrate with you. When you're throwing a party, we expect to be invited, all right? But at the same time, when you're hurting, we want to walk through that with you as well, because that's what families do. That's what families look like. The problem in the modern churches of America is that we have taken away the family aspect of a church. And it's come in for a service one hour a week and go home and we're all good. And then we're an island to ourselves the rest of the time. No, we want to be engaged. We want to know each other. We want to celebrate together. We want to feel the things that hurt one another and make one another happy. Also, when we're in family, we stand together shoulder to shoulder against the enemy. We're able to fight better when there's someone fighting with us. Can you say amen? It's important that we understand the concept of family in the kingdom of God. Sociologists tell us that the United States is the loneliest country on the face of the planet. 41% of Americans have said they're lonely. That's over 112 million people. I've got the answer. The answer is find Jesus, find a church home and cure that loneliness. Can you say amen? That's what happens when we choose to plug in to the family of God. Matter of fact, that same survey said most Americans identify better with TV characters than they do with their neighbors. That's an amazing statement, isn't it? We choose to connect with someone who isn't even real rather than someone who's right next door. America is a lonely place. It reminds me of the older lady who waited in line at the post office just to buy two stamps. When she finally got up to the counter, the clerk said to her, ma'am, you don't have to wait in line to buy stamps. There's a machine right out there in the lobby and you can buy books of 20 from the machine. She looked back at him and said, yeah, but the machine won't ask me about my arthritis. See, we need to understand people want to be connected. There is desire created in us to be connected. Look at the text with me. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He came and preached peace to you who were afar off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on a foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place by the Spirit of God. The Bible uses a lot of different metaphors to describe God's family. But this one, family, is the one most often used throughout the Scripture. You know, in the New Testament, believers called each other brother and sister. In the book of Acts, when the church was first formed on the day of Pentecost, we see that the believers held all things together in common. They moved from house to house in fellowship and prayer and in the disciples' teaching. They were a family unit. They operated as such. They moved in that dimension. Some of you, it's kind of interesting to me, I watch this every Sunday, sit in the same exact spot every single Sunday. I believe you do that because that's where you're comfortable. Maybe that's where you happen to land the first time you came and you just never moved. But can I challenge you? Move around a little bit. Get to know some more of your family. Because at the end of the service, when Yvonne asked us to greet one another, find somebody that you haven't met already and learn their name. Welcome them into the presence of God. Can I tell you, a smile doesn't cost you a thing and it helps everybody. So smile, shake hands, be friendly, introduce yourself. Let people know, I'm glad I'm a part of the family of God. Amen? We need to understand we are family. On the other hand, I'm convinced there are people here who have been coming probably for years who still don't feel like they're a part. Our attendance is down this morning. It's summertime. People are at the beach. They're down at that place in Orlando where the mouse hangs out. They're doing all kinds of things, you know, rather than being here. And that's okay. Everybody needs a vacation. But we also need to understand we can come to church week after week after week and still feel lonely, isolated, and alone. That's why it's up to those of us who are a little more outgoing to stick out the hand and smile and welcome and pull them into the family. Pull them into the unit that is ours. Pull them into the fellowship of Jesus Christ. Church, I'm just asking you, show some southern hospitality in this place. Amen? You're not going to believe this. Well, you probably will. We we closed on a house a few weeks ago and moved. And uh, as as of yet, only one neighbor has came by to say hi. So I told Yvonne, you bake some cookies. We're going to go knock on the door and we're going to say, welcome to the neighborhood. We're new. <laughs> Come on, you got to do whatever it takes to build a bridge and to meet someone and bring them into the family. That's all I'm asking you to do in this place. You know, there's a lot of things that people look for in churches... They quantify it. There's a list. One of those is the music. One of those is the preaching. But right at the top of the list is, is that church friendly? You know what? We may not always have the best music. You will never have the best preaching. But I guarantee you, we can always be the friendliest place in Tallahassee. We can let people know we're glad you're here. Don't just amen me. Do something about it. Put some legs to that. Amen. Do something about it before you leave today. So look back with me at verse 19. Paul wrote these words to the church in Ephesus. And remember, he founded the church in Ephesus. He pioneered it. He started it from nothing. This is what he's saying to them. You're no longer strangers and aliens. He's actually talking to Gentiles who've been converted to Christianity. You're no longer on the outside. You're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints Members of the household of God. He's saying to them very quickly, you have a citizenship in the kingdom of the Most High God. You don't need a visa. You don't need a passport. You have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. And that's the key to your entrance because He is the cornerstone. And it's upon Him that this relationship exists. So when I think about what Paul talks about in this passage of Scripture, it tells me one thing. It's in your notes. You need to remember it. Jesus suffered and died so we'd never have to be alone. Never have to be alone. You may not have family close, but I'm here to tell you Jesus Christ will never leave you nor forsake you. You may not have someone that you can lean on, but I'm here to tell you he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You may not have someone that you can talk to. Can I tell you he is the great counselor? You may not have someone that you can pour your heart out to. Can I tell you, he longs to listen, and he sent his Holy Spirit to be your comforter. He's already made it possible for you and I never to be alone. But even beyond that, he established his church so that you and I could have a relationship with folks with skin on. You do understand that, don't you? That you and I as believers are really just to be Jesus with skin on. That evidence of Him and His love, His grace, His mercy flowing through our lives to touch those around us. So Paul said, you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God. Because of Jesus' suffering, we belong. And that's good news. We belong. We're a part of something great because Jesus died and rose again from the dead. No longer strangers but citizens of the family, the household of God. And when we become citizens, we get every right and every privilege that's extended to those individuals. The great leaders of the church have nothing over you and me. We have the same access to the Father, the same opportunity to call upon the name of His Son. If you're sick, I can pray in faith and believe that Jesus Christ will heal you and make you whole. If you're discouraged, I can pray and believe that He will be a soulless to your soul, a balm in Gilead, and help you and strengthen you. We have the same access as every believer both today and yesterday. Matter of fact, when you look at verse 19 in the word that's translated household, when you look at that from the Greek, it actually means immediate family. I'm not some distant relative of God. I'm his immediate family. I'm not some distant relative of Jesus. I'm his immediate family. You know what that means? It means I have every right to walk up and stand just like this because we're immediate family. I have every right to put claims on that relationship because we're immediate family. I have every right to say, Daddy, I have some needs that I can't meet myself. Will you help me out? I can do that because we're immediate family. Do you understand? He is not far and distant. He is not removed from us. He is not closeted or clothed off. But do you know when Jesus died, the veil in the temple ripped in two from the top to the bottom. And the separation between man and God was done away with. So that that day forward, we could say we have a high priest who can be touched with the feelings of our infirmity. And we can come to him in times of need and find mercy and grace to help us because he cares. I want you to understand, he's our daddy. He's our father. He wants to meet our needs. He wants to show his love. He wants to prove his care and his concern in our life. Paul's saying we're the immediate family of God when we come through Jesus Christ. Oh, this is for anyone that's alone, lonely. This is for anyone that feels an outcast. We need to understand that when we come through Jesus, we're no longer alone. We're no longer outcasts. We're no longer strangers or foreigners or aliens, but we're the immediate family of the living God. Oh, it excited me last week when those young ladies came down and gave their heart to Jesus. I can tell you they're no longer separated, but now they are connected to the father and a part of his immediate family. Come on, folks, we need to get this concept in our spirit. So often we think God is far away and distant and the heavens are brass and he doesn't hear what we're going through or care what we're dealing with. I'm here to tell you, he cares. That's why He said his son, Jesus Christ. And when you come into his family, he cares. That's why I can say to those who are struggling in our church today, there is an answer and that answer flows from the father. God has already made provision for you. All you have to do is reach out and accept what he's made available through faith. So when we accept Jesus Christ, and this is actually the outline for the series, these next points, so you can remember them and be expecting messages on these points. We're going to find forgiveness of our sins when we come to Jesus. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. I'm glad I'm not the man I used to be, but I'm not the man I'm going to be either. Day by day, He's going to transform and change me. We find eternal life through salvation. That means that once I die, I'm with Him forever and ever and ever and ever. Never to be separated. What a gift that alone is. When we come to Jesus, we experience grace and mercy. That's one of the greatest gifts we could ever be given. Grace and mercy. We're going to talk about that, develop that, flesh it out. When we come to Jesus, we find His healing and his power. Aren't you glad we serve a healing God that is well able to do what no one else can do? If you've ever been touched by his healing power, would you just raise your hand? Come on, be a testimony. Be a witness. Now, before you put them down, I want everybody to look around and see how many hands are up in this room. Look around. You may need to turn around in your chair even, and it's okay to do that. If you're sitting in the back, you see them all. Hundreds of people raised their hand this morning, verifying that he is a healing Jesus. And he brings that power to us. When we come to Jesus and are a part of the immediate family, we find purpose and a plan for our lives. God didn't make you, he didn't create you to let you aimlessly drift through life. He has a purpose for you. He has a plan for you. We're going to be talking about that. When we come to Jesus, we know absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of God. Aren't you glad? Nothing can, it doesn't matter what the devil throws at me. He isn't big enough. He had not mean enough. He had not strong enough because I'm immediate family. I'm immediate family. God's got this. He's going to take care of it and I'm going to keep on walking. Oh, come on, folks. Too often we give up as believers when we don't understand nothing can separate me from God. When we don't get that in our spirit, nothing can separate us from God. And then number three, we know he never or Number three, that's about number seven. He will never fail us or forsake us. I'm glad I serve a God who cannot fail. I'm glad I serve a God who cannot fail. I'm going to say it one more time. I'm glad I serve a God who cannot fail. You may serve some other puny God, but my God can't fail. My God can't fail. He always comes through. He can't fail and he never forsakes us. That's what we're going to be looking at when we talk about the benefits of being in the immediate family of God. But added to that, we have the opportunity to come to a place like this, a place where his family gathers on a regular basis, a place where we can rub shoulders and we can talk and we can share burdens and we can laugh together and we can cry together, we can pray together, we can praise together That's a part of being a part of the immediate family. Listen, when we're not in the family on a regular basis, and here's my plug for church attendance, we miss out on what God is doing. When we're not there, we miss out on what God has done. We don't see His presence and His power, His grace and His mercy, His healing being displayed in the body when we're not apart. So be here every service. Amen? Every time the door is open, if you're a visitor and you go to another church on a regular basis, then for heaven's sakes, be there regularly. Make sure they know your name. Y'all remember that old program, Cheers, on years ago? Said they want to go to a place where everybody knows their name. It's very important. We want to know your name. We want to understand who you are. We want to hear your story. We want you to be a part of the family here at Christian Heritage Church. So we understand that when we come in, we come from a variety of backgrounds, different personalities, different things make us uh, glad we're here. We have a lot of different opinions, yet somehow, some way, we find a way to blend those together and get along because that's the family. I didn't plan to say this, but I'm going to throw it out anyway. You need to understand that in your family, especially if you had children and they became teenagers, if they survived that long and they became teenagers... There were times when they were fighting like cats and dogs. Isn't that right? I grew up a teenager. I've had teenagers. I'm telling you the truth. Matter of fact, I said to Dr. D just the other night that my philosophy on teenage boys is when they're 14, comes from Mark Twain, it's not mine. When they're 14, you put them in a barrel and feed them through the knot hole. When they're 16, you plug up the knot hole. That's the way you deal with teenage boys. We need to understand families will have difficulties. Families will have disagreements. But it doesn't mean we're not still family. Come on, we've got to understand that. We live in a culture that says, if you don't do what I like, I'm out of here. That's not family. See, that's not understanding our relationship individually and collectively with our Heavenly Father. We're immediate family. We bear His name. His blood flows through us. We are born again through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his son. We've got something to celebrate. We've got something to be thankful for. Jesus also suffered so that we wouldn't go through life alone. He doesn't intend for us to be alone or lonely. He wants to be right there with us. When you look at the book of Acts, that Jerusalem church was a hodgepodge of cultures and languages and and people. But they worked together to meet one another's needs, to minister life, to allow people to see something different is going on. Well, the same thing happens in the family today. See, it doesn't matter if you want to be like Glenn and Beth Burns. Would you guys stand for just a minute? They are our heroes in faith. Glenn and Beth minister the homeless and the hurting every single day, seven days a week. Maybe you want to be like them and minister the homeless and the hurting. Thank you, guys. Give them a hand. Would you do that? Great job with Good Samaritan ministry. See, House, we're glad to be your partners and we're glad you're a part of this church. Amen. Glenn's one of those guys with some scars and he guards my back for me and I like that. He's my friend. We're family. We're brothers. We're brothers. We need to understand that in the kingdom of God. Maybe you want to feed the hungry. Maybe you want to house orphans like little Courtney. Everybody knows Courtney. She's on a worship team. She left three weeks ago. Now she's in Africa and she's working in an orphanage and God's using her. If you're following on Facebook, it's amazing what God is doing through Courtney to touch that generation of orphan kids in the Sudan. It's great stuff. Somebody ought to say, thank you, Jesus, that my sister is doing something mighty around the world. And because she's my sister, come on, get this, because she's my sister, I got a part in it too. Because we're immediate family, I get to share some of that credit too. I get to be a part of that great celebration and rejoicing. Maybe you want to clean up your community. Maybe you want to take the gospel to those who have never heard. None of us can do it alone. But if we understand we're family, and if we understand we work together, then we can see amazing things happen in us and around us. Listen to these scriptures. Deuteronomy thirty-two thirty says, "One can chase a thousand; two can put ten thousand to flight." All we need is two, folks. It's all we need. Read it from Ecclesiastes four nine through 10. two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. If they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falls, for he doesn't have another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall not withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly or easily broken. We need to understand it's when we're family that God does great things. Mother Teresa said it this way. She said, I can do things you cannot you can do things I cannot. Carmela, would you come, please? You can do things that I cannot, but together we can do great things. See, folks, there's a lot to be said for understanding the concept of the family of God. Because the family of God prays together, laughs together, rejoices together, cries together. The family of God, we're just like brothers and sisters in here. It doesn't matter the color of your skin, the culture you may have originated in. All that matters is we all came by way of the cross. We all have that commonality as Jesus Christ, as our Lord, and as our Savior. Remember this, God didn't call you just to believe. God called you to belong. He didn't didn't call you to belong to some civic organization, even though there's nothing wrong with that. As a Christian, He called you to belong to His family, to be immediate family in the kingdom of God. And that's what he wants for you. Maybe you're far away from your family today, like Yvonne and I are. But I'm here to tell you right here in this room, there's a group of believers who desire to love you, care for you, pray with you, stand with you, be your family on a regular basis. You know, when I was a kid growing up, my dad had four brothers and sisters. My mom had three sisters. My dad's parents lived five miles down the road from us in western Oklahoma on another farm. And every Sunday, every Sunday without fail, the whole family, all of dad's siblings, their spouses, and all of the grandkids would gather at Grandma Georgie's house and we had Sunday dinner. Every Sunday without fail. I grew up being surrounded by all of my cousins, Some of them are total knotheads. Some of them are still good friends today. We all have family like that, right? We all do. But I remember those times. They're special to me because those times define family for me. And they made me realize that really that's just a picture of the church. And every Sunday when we come to dinner or when we come together, it's like going to dinner at Grandma Georgie's. I'm surrounded by people that love me, that we share commonality of the same bloodline because we came through the cross we're a family i want you to hear that this morning i've said it a million times already but hear it we're a family and families interconnect families see our paths crossing on a regular basis families understand that together we can do significant things for the kingdom of god maybe you're a believer here this morning you've never found a church family to call your own Let me just say it this way to you. Welcome home. Welcome home. We're glad you're here today. Welcome to Christian Heritage and the family of God in this place. We want you as a believer to be a part of our family. We want you to help us do what God has called us to do, which is to reach North Florida and South Georgia. So welcome home. A little later in the service when we greet one another, be sure you tell somebody, I'm new here but I feel like I'm at home. Will you do that for me? And now if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never asked him to come into your heart to forgive your sins, you're not a part of the family. Today's a great opportunity for you to take that next step and accept him as Lord and Savior and become a part of the immediate family of the Most High God. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed across this room. I'm talking to someone in this place this morning and you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've never done that, but today the Lord is speaking to you. He's saying this is your opportunity to have your sins forgiven, your life changed, and to become a part of my family. That's you. I'm going to wait a few minutes, give you an opportunity to respond. And by responding, you're simply going to slip up that hand and say, pray for me. I want to be a part of the family. Right where you sit, just slip up that hand. I want to be a part of the family as I wait just a moment. I want to be a part of the family. Yes, sir. Anyone else? I want to be a part of the family. I want Jesus to come into my heart and my life to forgive me, to change me as I wait just a moment. Anyone else? I want to be a part of the family. Stand to your feet with me, please. was one or two that raised your hand in just a second. I'm going to ask you to step out from where you're at and I'm going to ask you to come and meet me here in the front. We're going to pray with you and God is going to do a great eternal work in your heart and in your life. So if you were one of those who raised your hands, would you right now just step out and come? Meet me right here in the front of the sanctuary and we're going to pray and ask God to do a work in your heart and a work in your life. Wait just a minute. You're welcome to come this morning. Pray this prayer with me across the room. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a savior and I can't save myself. I ask you to come into my heart and change my life. Forgive my sins and make me a child of God. Change me as only you're able to do. In Jesus name I ask it. amen. Now heads are still bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here this morning and you need something from God a special touch from the Lord. Would you just slip up your hand right where you're standing and hold it high for me? If you need a special touch from God, slip up your hand. Because we're family, this is what we're going to do. I'm not going to ask you to step out and come. I'm going to ask believers to step out and go to you. So everybody raise your hand or raise your head. Someone's hand is raised. Would you move to them right now? I want you to pray. I want you to believe God. This is what families do. we have got a whole family over here on my right that needs someone praying with them. Please step out quickly, move to these individuals whose hands are raised, and let's pray together. I want to make sure that everybody has someone praying with them in this room this morning. Then I'm going to pray for all of you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift before you each and every one of these individuals who need to know your love, your grace, your mercy, who need to experience the touch of your presence and the wonderfulness of your power. Touch them right now. I speak healing into hearts and lives. I pray, Lord, especially for Les Oliver, right back there in the back, that you would touch Les, bring healing into his life and into his body. Lord, I pray that you would fix the things the doctors can't fix. In Jesus' name, do it right now. I pray for other individuals who need peace. I pray that you would give them the peace of God that passes all understanding. I pray for those who need financial supply. I pray that you'd open the windows of heaven and pour out upon them blessings that they don't have room enough to receive. I pray that jobs be provided, income streams be opened up. Lord, I pray that they see your miraculous hand working in their lives right now. I pray for those who are struggling with family issues. I pray, Lord, for you to come in and be their counselor. Resolve the issues. Bind the heart of the father back to the son and the mother to the daughter. Bind up marriages and strengthen them in this room this morning. Do the things that only you can do through the power of the Most High God. Holy Spirit, settle over your church this morning. Touch hearts and touch lives. I pray for that one that is grieving the one that has suffered loss. And I pray now that you, Jesus, would go to them, put your arms around them, love them, reconcile that grief in their spirits and heal them as only you're able to do. Lord, we commit our future to you and we pray that you continue to guide us and direct us. Show us your ways, Father. Help us to follow your paths. Now let the love of Jesus Christ flow in this room and let everyone who's in this place be able to say, I'm a part of the family. I'm a part of the family, the family of God. And I'm not some distant cousin. I'm immediate family. I'm sitting right next to my daddy and he cares about me. I pray these things in the name that is above every name. In Jesus' name.
0: Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.